Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Dead America, Carolina Front, Part 5. Dead America, The Third Week, Book 9. Written by Derek Slayton. Narrated by P.J. Morgan. Chapter 1. Day 0 plus 19. Okay, Walter, Captain Terrell said, the morning in North Carolina, wafting over him from the big bay window of the cleared-out storefront. You got one of those things coming up on you. He's big, gross to look at, and smells like a wet dog that bathed in shit. He spread his arms. What are you gonna do? The teenager stood across from him and swallowed hard tightening his hand around the six-inch knife in his fist. He stared down the hay-filled scarecrow tied to a rolling clothing rack a few yards away that Terrell moved back and forth with his foot. I'm gonna kill it, Walter declared. The older man chuckled. I like the enthusiasm, he said, but I'm gonna need some specifics there. Positive thinking ain't gonna be enough when this thing comes at you. He straightened his muscular shoulders. Walter raised his chin. Don't worry, I got a plan, he said. Oh, you got a plan, do you? Terrell raised an eyebrow. Well, just remember what the great Mike Tyson once said. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. He cocked his head. Or in this case, everybody has a plan until a zombie latches onto them. The kid waved his free hand forward, bobbing back and forth from foot to foot. I'm not gonna let you down. Okay, here it comes, Terrell said, and then kicked the base of the rolling rack. It sailed towards Walter, and the kid prepared to strike. As it came within a hair of him, he darted to the side, extending his leg to trip it up, while lashing out with his arm to knock it in the back. The contraption toppled over, crashing down with a loud clatter. Walter lunged down without missing a beat, and stabbed the scarecrow in the back of the head, he pulled the blade out triumphantly, sending bits of hay fluttering around the air. Terrell clapped as he sauntered over to the kid. Well done, he commended with a grin. Looks like some of the things I'm showing you are sticking. Yes, sir, they are, Walter replied, nodding firmly. I'm gonna be a badass just like you in no time. Terrell laughed and held up a hand. Go easy on me now, I'm old. Nah, you ain't old, the kid said as he stood up. My daddy wasn't old when, he paused for a moment, taking a deep breath. Before all of this, and you look about his age, Terrell wrinkled his nose. Now I do feel old. They shared a laugh, and he threw an arm around Walter's shoulders. He couldn't help but feel like he was the kid brother he'd never had, and he enjoyed bonding with him even over something so grisly. Why don't you get our zombies set back up? And I'll show you another move, Terrell said. Walter nodded in excitement. Okay. As he scurried for the clothing rack scarecrow, Coleman and Miles strolled in the open door. Knock, knock, Coleman called. Miles stepped in behind him, running a hand over his buzzed hair. 
Hope we're not interrupting, he said gruffly. Nah, you're good fellas, come on in, Terrell said, waving them over. The duo, the only other military members in the town, looked over the situation with the scarecrow as Walter set it back up. Coleman headed over to the contraption and inspected it with interest. Impressive training materials here, Cap, he mused. Terrell shrugged. You know me, making do with what I got. Walter bounced on the balls of his feet, drawing his blade again. Hey, Mr. Coleman, you want to see what I can do? He asked. Coleman glanced at Terrell, who mimed giving the zombie a push. Sure, kid, Coleman said with a shrug. Let's see what you got. He gave the rack a kick, sending it rolling towards Walter. He executed his tripping move again, giving it a perfect knife strike to the head a second time. The older men nodded in approval. Not bad, kid, Coleman said, as Walter picked up the scarecrow again. Miles grinned. You'll be out there hunting zombies with us before you know it. Oh, I'm already hunting zombies, sir, Walter replied earnestly. Been out a number of times. Can't wait to go back out with y'all. Terrell held up a finger. Only on easy missions, he said. You're a little too young to be tackling the really dangerous stuff. You're training me well, Walter insisted. I can take on anything. He clenched a fist. Terrell cracked a smile. I don't doubt it, kid. So are you gonna show me that other move you were talking about? The teenager asked. Coleman cleared his throat. Afraid that's gonna have to wait, he said. Something up? Terrell furrowed his brow. Yeah, Xavier thinks he's located the ammonium nitrate, Miles replied. The captain scoffed and rolled his eyes. Nothing like finding it for the fourth time in a week. This stuff ain't easy to track down, Miles reminded him, especially in the apocalypse. Terrell sighed. Yeah, I know, he admitted, but I've heard this so many times before, so I'm not holding my breath. Wanna go hear him out, Coleman asked. I mean, it's not like you have much else to do today. Walter crossed his arms. Hey, he's training me. True, Coleman replied as he turned to the kid. But you're already a badass, right? The teen puffed out his chest. Heck yeah, I am, he grinned. Okay, Terrell conceded with a sigh. Let's go see Xavier and find out what we're doing today. Walter raised a hand. Can I come too, he asked. Coleman glanced at the captain, who contemplated for a moment. Yeah, okay, Terrell finally said. You can come to the meeting. Walter let out a whoop, the first time he'd been allowed in a meeting. Terrell held up a hand. Only thing I'm promising is the meeting, he declared, calming the kid down some. If it doesn't look too dangerous, then we'll talk. I know you've been out with us before, but we just gotta make sure you're safe. Walter smiled, showing his teeth and nodded like a bobblehead before following them out of the building. Chapter Two The morning sun blanketed the town of Clinton with a warm glow. The once sleepy rural town, 35 miles east of Fayetteville, was busy despite the early hour. People moved about, taking advantage of the rain-free morning to sort and can veggies before they rotted out. Others worked at reinforcing the makeshift barricades on the roads, still being made out of cars, sheet metal, and large hay bales. It was enough to hold back a few zombies, 
but there was an unspoken concern over how to hold back enemy people. The quartet walked across to the center of town, a nice park area bustling with activity. Xavier waved them over to the cook fire, where June and Ruth were cooking up sausages and eggs. Ladies, 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 Coleman declared, spreading his arms. That is smelling fantastic. June smiled, the wrinkles on her face crinkling. Well, we know you boys have a busy day ahead of you, she said. And you can't have a busy day on an empty stomach, Ruth added, grabbing a plate and heaping it with food. She handed it to Coleman, and he accepted it with glee. He took a seat and started eating as the other three took their plates, easily with less food on them. I think it's clear that I'm the favorite, Coleman declared through a mouthful of sausage. Terrell and Miles shook their heads, smiling at each other. Morning, Xavier, the captain greeted. The old man nodded sagely. Gentlemen, good morning, he said. Hope the day finds you well. That remains to be seen, Terrell admitted. Depends a lot on what you got for us. Xavier waved them over to the other end of the picnic table. Come on over, and I'll tell you. There was a map spread out across the table, and the four of them moved over. The old man furrowed his brow at Walter. Hey, son, why don't you go see if Hoyt needs some help over by the barricade? The teenager gaped at him. But, but, it's okay, Terrell cut in. I told him he could come with us. At Xavier's concerned gaze, he continued. Look, he's been training really hard with me, and including him makes him stay focused. Doesn't hurt anything to have him here. Xavier pursed his lips and nodded, turning back to the map. So, gentlemen, he continued, I know that we have had some issues tracking down the ammonium nitrate we need for our diversion. You can call it a bomb, Coleman added through a mouthful of eggs. Very well, our bomb, Xavier corrected, waving his hand. We struck out a few times, but I believe we have been able to finally track it down. The last farm you investigated had a delivery form in the paperwork you brought back, and we found that they had been given another farm's papers. According to the records, they were supposed to get a couple hundred pounds of what we need the day before all this began. Coleman swallowed his mouthful and nodded. So there's a good chance it actually got delivered then. That's my thinking, Xavier agreed. So where is this one at? Miles asked, leaning over the map. The old man pointed to the top of the paper. It's to the east of Mount Olive, about 25 miles to the northeast of here. Oh, I know Mount Olive, Walter piped up. Ain't nothing to that town. Xavier fixed the kid with a hard stare, causing him to wither beneath his gaze and avert his eyes. Terrell leaned forward, however. So there's nothing in Mount Olive, Walter? He asked pointedly, including him in the conversation. The kid perked up shaking his head as he regarded the captain. Oh no, he replied. It's about half the size of Clinton. I'd be surprised if there was a zombie left in that place. He held up a fist. But if there was, I'd take it out. He speared a sausage with his fork, as if to accentuate his point. No doubt, Terrell said with a chuckle. How big is the farm? Coleman asked. Xavier shrugged. Small family farm, 50 acres at the most. So not likely to find much resistance at all, Miles replied. The old man nodded. That's my assessment as well. Terrell glanced at Coleman, 
inclining his head slightly towards Walter. His second nodded in agreement, before shoving another forkful of eggs into his mouth. Well, the four of us will get ready to head out then, the captain declared. Both Xavier and Walter's head snapped up at the same time, and in perfect unison they said, The four of us? Yes, the four of us, Terrell confirmed. Young Walter can handle himself, and this sounds like an easy day. Coleman took a loud bite of one of his sausages. They usually start that way. Terrell glared at him, but Xavier nodded anyway. Very well, the old man said with a sigh. I had planned on having him help with loading up the tank we brought back for our bomb. But if you would like him with you, I can find someone to replace him. Terrell nodded. I appreciate that, he said, and then turned to Coleman. Can you take Walter and get him geared up? I need to talk to Xavier for another moment. Sure thing, Cap, Coleman replied, swallowing the last of his food and getting to his feet. Come on, kid, let's find you something fun. The trio headed off, Walter in the middle, trotting excitedly. Xavier took a seat. What can I do for you, Captain? He asked. Have you been able to find out where that tracker we put on Mario ended up? Terrell asked. The old man nodded. Yes, it's a little town called Newton Grove, he replied, about 20 miles due north of here. Have you sent anybody up to check it out? Terrell asked. Xavier shook his head. I haven't been able to spare the manpower, he said. The captain bristled, about to open his mouth to argue, but the old man put up a hand to stop him. However, he continued firmly, I have had men keeping an eye on the only road leading to it, Outside of nightly patrols coming down here to check up on us, nothing has gotten within two miles of town. Terrell nodded, and his shoulders relaxed. If that changes, he trailed off. You'll be the first to know, Xavier promised. They shook hands, and then the captain headed off to join his crew. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Chapter 3 Coleman drove the extended cab work truck, and Terrell stared out the passenger window as the other two got cozy in the back seat. Walter rolled down his window looking outside at the rolling fields like a happy puppy on a car ride. Bud, you seem really happy to be out of town, Miles said, a goofy smile on his face as he took in the kid's excitement. Walter nodded, turning to him. Oh, yes, sir, he replied. I hadn't been out until we met at that factory last week. So what do they have you doing all day? Miles asked. The kid shrugged. 
Oh, whatever needs to be done, he replied. Fixing up barriers, keeping watch, carrying heavy boxes of canned food to storage. I can see why you were anxious to get out, Miles replied with a chuckle. Coleman let off the gas, causing the duo in the back seat to lean in and stare out the front windshield. What's up? Miles asked. Mount Olive is up ahead, Coleman explained. Figured a little caution might be in order. The quartet looked ahead at the southern edge of the town. There wasn't much to see in terms of buildings, just a smattering of small homes. Take it nice and slow, Terrell instructed. According to Xavier, we need to take the first main road to the right, and that'll take us out to the farm. Coleman hit the gas, and they rolled through town. As they got up to the first batch of houses, a few zombies wandered out from between them. Walter immediately rolled up his window, and the captain barked a laugh. Easy there, bud, he said. They can't get you from way over there. The kid laughed and averted his gaze, embarrassed. He rolled the window back down, but only halfway. As they drove up into the town, they came across more zombies as the buildings started to come up. There were several dozen creatures hanging around the school. Coleman slowed to a crawl as they passed it, to avoid unnecessary attention. Up ahead, about 150 yards away, was a throng of undead in the road. What do you think, Cap? Coleman asked. Terrell pursed his lips for a moment. The turnoff can't be too much further up, he mused, and looked at the neighborhood to his right, that was much lighter on zombies. So there's a good chance we can pick up the road if we cut through this neighborhood. I like that idea a lot better than rolling through that lot up ahead, Coleman replied, and hit the turn signal before turning onto the next street. Terrell raised an eyebrow as the signal clicked off, and the driver realized what he'd done, shaking his head and laughing. Old habits die hard, he said. As they rolled through the neighborhood, they scanned the lower class area filled with houses that looked like they should have been bulldozed years ago. Terrell furrowed his brow at the myriad of zombies in each yard. Miles noticed, too. Why are there so many of those things here, he wondered. You would think people would have gotten out when this was happening. Poor people don't have those kinds of options, sir, Walter said hoarsely. I mean, no disrespect, but do you think people with houses like this have good cars? The stout soldier clenched his jaw, shaking his head, and looking down at his lap. With his middle-class upbringing, he wasn't used to having to check his privilege. That's a good point, kid, he admitted. Coleman squeaked to a stop at a dead-end road. Now what? he asked. Terrell pointed to the main road about 30 yards across the field. Looks like that's our road, he said. Four-wheel drive it is, then, Coleman said and popped the truck into a lower gear. He rolled out onto the grass, and after a bit of a bumpy ride, they came out onto the road unscathed. So how far up is this place? He asked, when they were safely back on the pavement. Terrell looked down at the crudely drawn map in his lap. Looks to be four or five miles, he replied, running his finger along the line Xavier had drawn. Well, enjoy these last few minutes of peace, boys, Coleman declared because we're about to get into it. He hit the gas, speeding them up a bit, and Miles and Terrell checked their assault rifles and handguns. Miles, how you looking on ammo? The captain asked. The stout man popped open his handgun. 
Last mag on the handgun, he replied. Two and a half mags on the rifle. Better than I'm doing, Terrell muttered. Coleman nodded. Same here. They sped up the road, making the turnoff to the farm. It was a long dirt driveway, leading up to a modestly sized single-story house. Two large barns overlooked the left side of the bumpy road. Coleman pulled up between the barns and the house, turning off the engine. As soon as it was off, Walter opened his door. Shut that door, Terrell snapped. The kid shut it quickly, putting his hands up in the air. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he cried. It's okay, the captain replied, much gentler this time. But remember to look before you come out of anywhere. If you want to be a successful warrior, you gotta know what you're up against. He pointed outside. Now, what do you see? Walter looked towards the house, seeing half a dozen zombies stagger around from the side of it, attracted by the noise. I, I see, he stammered. Five, no, six zombies, about 40 yards away by the house. Good, Terrell replied. Now what else? The kid scanned the area closely, seeing only one more lone zombie about 25 yards from where they were, well clear of the house. There's one straggler away from everybody else. Good, the captain said. Let's go take care of that one first. Walter nodded firmly, eyes determined. I'm ready when you are. You two check the barns for what we came here for, Terrell said to the others. Walter and I will check out the house. There were nods all around, and then everybody jumped out of the truck together. Walter jogged to catch up with Terrell, and they headed for the straggler zombie, a disheveled creature that looked like it had been easily in its 70s before it died. It turned towards them and staggered forward in blood-covered overalls. Well, go on, Terrell said. Show me what you've learned. Walter drew his knife, readying to strike, focusing on everything he'd been trained to do. As the clumsy creature reached for him, he stepped to the side, tripping it, sending it tumbling onto its face. He hopped quickly onto its back and stabbed into its skull. The blade only penetrated a quarter of an inch into the bone, nowhere close enough to kill it. The creature continued to squirm, and Walter froze, eyes wide with fear. Terrell stepped forward and stomped down on the handle of the blade, sending it into the brain and making the zombie go limp. He held out a hand to the frightened teenager. Remember, kid, he said gently, you aren't stabbing hay out here. You gotta put some oomph behind it. Walter took a deep breath and grabbed his blade. Yes, sir. Now when we get back to town, I'm putting you on a weight training regimen, Terrell declared. We gonna buff you up. The kid grinned at that, and then they turned towards the moaning coming from the house. Six zombies staggered towards them, about 30 yards away, spread out fairly far from one another. Now you ready to put your weight behind your attack? He asked, and when Walter nodded, he continued. Okay, we're gonna do some teamwork here. I'm gonna knock him down, and you're gonna put him down. Can you handle that? The kid held up his knife triumphantly. Let's do it. All right then, Terrell said. You keep up now. He ran towards the first ghoul, a small farmhand who'd met the business end of a neck bite. He grabbed it by the arm and jerked it towards him, tripping it up. 
He spun around, putting a boot on the zombie's back so that Walter could thrust his knife all the way down to the hilt. Got him, the kid exclaimed. Great job, the captain said, clapping him on the shoulder. But don't get too excited, we got five more. He hopped over towards the next one and did a spinning roundhouse kick, catching the ghoul in the side of the head and knocking it over. He glanced back to see Walter leap on the creature and stab it, so he moved on to the next zombie. This kid's gonna be all right, he thought, and then grabbed the monster by the throat and choke slammed it to the ground. He flipped it over onto its stomach to make for an easier kill and then moved on. The next three zombies fell quickly to the captain's martial arts moves, becoming a writhing pile of tattered, bloody work clothes. As Walter stabbed the final ghoul in the back of the head, Terrell helped him up. That's some fine work there, kid, he said, clapping him on the back. Fine work. Chest heaving, Walter grinned. I'm getting the hang of it. Come on, let's go check out the house. He waved for the kid to follow him, and then headed for the front door, which was slightly ajar. He gently pushed it open, and Walter tried to lead the way, but Terrell pushed him back gently, shaking his head in the process. He reached out and knocked loudly on the doorframe, which drew out a creature from a side room halfway down the hall. The ghoul staggered towards them in a bloody floral dress, arms outstretched. Time for your next lesson, Terrell said, drawing his knife. How to deal with a zombie in confined quarters. He walked into the hallway and narrated his movements. First, you grab it by the shirt and lock your arm, keeping it at bay. Second, you take your knife and aim it for the eye socket. Third, stab it until it stops moving. He delivered a perfect knife strike to the eye, sending the zombie to the ground in a heap. He stayed still for a moment, straining his ears to make sure there was nothing else moving about but he didn't hear anything. Come on, he said. Let's see if we can find us something nice. Meanwhile, Coleman and Miles approached the barn cautiously, senses on high alert, assault rifles at the ready despite limited ammo. Do you want to do the honors? Coleman asked. Or should I? Miles raised an eyebrow. I did it last time. And there wasn't anything inside, his companion shot back. Not sure that should count. Miles grinned. Luck of the draw, baby, he said playfully. Luck of the draw. Coleman rolled his eyes and reached for the latch on the barn door. He carefully lifted it up, pulling it out towards them. Bodies immediately slammed into it, and he threw himself back against it, struggling to get it closed again. Miles immediately dove against the door but his feet slid in the dirt under the force of the zombies trying to break free. You wanna start shooting or something? He cried. Coleman backed up, took aim, and carefully popped off a few shots at the ones flailing in the opening, dropping them. As they fell, he spotted two pallets of shrink-wrapped bags behind them. Fuck, he breathed. Miles grunted as he continued to hold the door. What, he demanded. We're gonna have to go in there. I think I see the stuff, Coleman replied. Fuck, Miles agreed, finally managing to lock his legs against the door. How many of those things are in there? His companion tried to peek inside, over the rotted, oozing heads. Twenty, twenty-five? 
This is what you want to burn all your ammo on? Miles demanded. Coleman shook his head. I'm open to suggestions. Miles frantically looked around, and then motioned to a glint on the side of the barn. Give me that chain, he cried. Coleman shot one more creature in the head as it tried to push its way out the door and then rushed over to tear the chain from the wall. Now what, he asked when he returned. Step back there and stretch it out, then stand clear, Miles instructed. His comrade laid it out on the ground, quickly backing up until there was six feet of chain along the dirt. It's ready. Miles steadied himself and then dove away from the barn door running to the chain as the weight of the zombies flung the door open. Coleman's count was fairly accurate. Easily two dozen undead farmhands that looked like they'd been locked inside since the apocalypse began. Miles grabbed the heavy chain and began swinging the end around his head like a lasso. After several rotations, the speed was fairly significant. No slack in the links at all. He timed his next spin and caught the first ghoul in the side of the head, ripping right through its skull. He continued to whip it around, catching zombie after zombie in the head, sending bodies to the ground. After half a dozen or so, he misjudged an attack, the chain looping around a ghoul's neck and sticking fast. Miles pulled on it, but the creature staggered towards him instead of getting free. He darted out of the way to avoid being tackled by the hungry corpse, and drew his handgun, shooting it in the back of the head as it went by. Coleman jumped forward, firing rapidly and deliberately, thinning out the horde until it was down to just a handful of creatures that were spread out pretty thin. With the bulk of the threat down, the soldiers drew their knives, employing the shirt grab and eye socket stabbing technique that Terrell had showed off to Walter just moments earlier. A few quick jabs later, and the front of the barn was littered with rotted, unmoving corpses. Coleman let out a deep breath, chest heaving as he huffed. You good? Yeah, I'm good, Miles replied, his own breathing heavy. Guessing we can mark off chain wielding as a solid zombie fighting technique, Coleman asked. Miles chuckled. Hey now, I got a few of them with it. They shared a laugh, more in relief than anything else and recovered from their battle. What's with all that gunfire? Terrell asked, as he and Walter came running up from the house. We're not exactly flush with ammo here. Coleman shook his head. Sorry, Cap, it was either that or get eaten, he explained, motioning to the sea of dead flesh. Terrell surveyed the scene, and then nodded, understanding. All right, as long as you boys are okay, he said finally. We can always get more ammo. People aren't replaceable. He clapped Coleman on the shoulder and motioned to the bodies. But why didn't you just keep these things locked up? Because I may have found what we're looking for. His second replied with a smile and waved for him to follow into the barn. It was a bloodbath inside, the dirt floor mucky with coagulated crimson goo, body parts strewn about that looked like they'd been there for a while. They skirted the gore and headed for the pallets on the far side, each stacked high with large white bags. Coleman reached it first and slapped his hand on top of the stack. This is what I saw. Terrell ran a hand across the label on the front, boasting ammonium nitrate, and a grin broke out on his face. 
About damn time we tracked this stuff down. Now we just gotta figure out how much we can get back, Coleman replied. All of this isn't gonna fit in one truck. Terrell reached into his pocket and pulled out a set of keys, jingling them. Good thing I found the owner's truck keys then. Hell yeah, Coleman said. Let's get loaded up so we can get back. I bet June and Ruth are whipping up something good for lunch. The captain rolled his eyes. Good to know if I ever need to get you motivated. I just gotta promise you some fried chicken. If you really wanna motivate me, then you should promise me some fixins' too, Coleman informed him with a wink. Terrell shook his head and chuckled as he headed off to get the other truck, while his companions tore off the shrink wrap to load up their spoils. Chapter Four Terrell drove the lead truck with Walter in the passenger seat, the bed loaded down with explosive materials. You did good out there, kid, he said. Walter sat up straighter in his seat, grinning. Thank you, he replied. I'm so glad I didn't let you down. It's not about letting me down, Terrell replied, shaking his head. It's about making sure you stay safe. The kid beamed. Well, I'll do you proud by staying alive. How's that? That works for me, Terrell replied, chuckling. As they reached the town limit, just about at the spot where they cut across the field, the front tire exploded. He fishtailed, struggling to keep control of the vehicle. Coleman slammed on the brakes behind him, swerving to avoid hitting them. He skidded off the road, trapped in a deep ditch. Get behind the wheel well, Terrell cried. Walter tore out of the vehicle, ducking behind the wheel as per the captain's instructions. Terrell clambered out of the passenger door after him, handgun at the ready. Coleman and Miles dove out of their truck, ducking for cover. What the hell happened? Coleman yelled. Terrell raised his chin. Tire exploded, he called back. Then why are we hiding? Coleman asked, raising an eyebrow. The captain shook his head. Because assholes have been trying to kill us for weeks. So either they're out there, Coleman trailed off. Terrell scanned the trees. Or this is one hell of a coincidence, he finished. He took his rifle and readied it before popping up over the hood of the truck. He looked around the neighborhood that was just across from them, not seeing anything except for a few zombies in the yards that weren't paying them any attention. He ducked back down. See anything? Coleman asked from behind him. Terrell shook his head. Some rows of shitty houses, but not much else, he replied, clenching his jaw. Well, what do you want to do, Cap? Coleman pressed. Don't know, Terrell replied firmly. I'm thinking. He popped up once again, scanning the neighborhood, but still didn't see anything. He wasn't sure if he was being cautious or paranoid. He didn't like it, but in the apocalypse, nobody could be too careful. He finally slung his rifle over his shoulder. We good? Coleman asked. The captain sighed. If somebody's out there, they would have taken a shot at me by now, he said, hoping. They stood up and moved back to their vehicles to inspect the damage. Terrell knelt down at the busted tire. It was completely gone, as if it had exploded. That don't look like no flat, Walter said. He pursed his lips. Nobody. It does not. Coleman floored the gas, but the tires just spun in the muck from the recent days of pelting rain. 
It was at too steep of an angle in the deep ditch. He turned off the vehicle and pocketed the keys, shaking his head. Well, that's a no-go, he declared. What about you, Cap? Terrell shook his head. Either I hit something or something hit me, because I've never seen a tire explode like that. Is there a spare? Miles asked. Terrell shook his head, running a hand across his forehead. Great, so one truck with no tire, Miles retorted, and one truck stuck in a ditch. Ideas? Coleman took a deep breath. Don't suppose there's a mechanic shop in Mount Olive? It's certainly big enough, Terrell replied, but we're gonna have to find it. It sure looked like this road led to downtown, if you can call it that, Coleman said. Miles clucked his tongue. Yeah, and a few hundred zombies. They were up towards the neighborhood a bit, Coleman reminded him. We should be all right if we're careful. Walter raised a hand. We could find the Chamber of Commerce, he suggested. At the sight of three surprised looks in his direction, he wilted. Or not. No, I think that's a great idea, Terrell said quickly. It's just... Coleman let out an apologetic laugh. Didn't really see that suggestion coming from you, that's all. My uncle would supply a lot of businesses with fresh vegetables, so he would take me with him when he'd go to new towns, Walter explained quickly. We'd always stop by the chamber to find out everywhere he needed to go. Terrell grinned. Really glad we brought you, bud, he declared, and clapped the proud kid on the back. Come on, let's start hiking. Chapter five. The four men ducked down behind a dilapidated wooden structure a couple of blocks from downtown. Terrell peeked out to see a few dozen zombies in the road leading up a few more blocks. Walter, any idea where this place is? Terrell whispered. The kid shook his head. Sorry, my uncle never came here to sell, he admitted. The captain stared out noting a path to the back of the main street buildings on their side of the street was clear. I want y'all to wait here, he said quietly. Where are you going? Coleman asked. Gonna pay that business up there a little visit, Terrell explained. If things go south, get back to the truck. Steal a tire off the other one if you have to and get back. His second shook his head, brow furrowed. What about you? Well, if you see a brother hitchhiking, feel free to pick him up, he said and gave Coleman a fist bump before breaking cover. He stayed in the grass, running through a little field before hopping a fence a block up from the back of the building. There was a short side street and another field with only one lone zombie in it. Terrell darted across, straight for the zombie, who turned excitedly just to receive a knife strike to the eyeball. The captain barely broke stride, rushing up to the building. There were several doors that led into the various businesses. He tried a few, finding them locked. After the third one, the centermost door, he whipped out his knife and jammed it in the door frame. It took him a few moments of wiggling, but he finally managed to get the blade between the latch. He popped the door open, relief washing over him when no alarm bleated, and slipped inside. The building was home to a country kitchen buffet restaurant with several tables, serving dishes, and an assortment of tacky wall decor. He wrinkled his nose at how anybody had thought it was a good idea to decorate with this look. Office, office, he thought, looking around. 
he finally found a door labeled manager and threw it open, pulling out his flashlight to illuminate the dark. The office resembled a windowless storage closet more than an actual office, causing Terrell to feel sorry for the former occupant. Damn, dude must have welcomed the end of it all, he thought, as he scanned the tiny desk with barely any walking around room. He painted the wall with his flashlight, and finally found a phone with several business cards stapled to the faux wood paneling. Jackpot, he thought, as he skimmed down the cards, various suppliers, repairmen, and whatnot, before finding one for a Jenny Smith, the local Chamber of Commerce representative. There we go. He pulled it down and looked at the address, 1176 Main Street. He breathed a sigh of relief that the chamber was on the main drag. He headed back out into the main area of the restaurant, moving all the way back to the front. It was dim in there, as the front windows were blotted out by curtains, but still bright enough for him to navigate without smacking his shins on the tables. He made it to the front and peered out the small window above the door with the numbers 1045 at the top. One block off, he thought, and carefully pulled back the curtain to look out into the street. There were about a hundred zombies out there, heading in both directions. He strained to read the numbers on the businesses across the street. He pulled out his rifle and used the scope to try to see them. The one across the street to the left was 1022. Okay, it's somewhere to the right on the next block, he thought, and looked up that way, but it was impossible to see the numbers with all of the zombies in the street. No way in hell we're going to be able to sneak past that and stay out of sight, he shook his head bitterly. After a moment of contemplation, a light bulb went off in his head, and he chuckled under his breath. You uncrazy son of a bitch, he muttered to himself. He shook his head at his thought, and then took a deep breath, pressing his head against the wall so he could see right down the line of the building. There were several zombies near the door, but none within a few feet of it. He continued to shake his head as he walked over to the door, gently flipping the deadbolt. He paused for a moment, collecting himself before the stupidity he was about to commit. Then he opened the door and then opened his mouth, screaming at the top of his lungs, come and get me, motherfuckers. A zombie a few feet away turned, looking momentarily stunned, and then realized a fresh meal stood in front of it. It shrieked and moaned and reached for him, alerting the rest of the horde that it was a real screaming treat. As soon as it moved towards him, Terrell backed inside and took off for the back of the restaurant. Zombies poured in, filling the space quickly, and he stood at the back doorway to watch them trip over chairs and tables. Yeah, I'm back here, assholes, he bellowed. You can't get me. He peeked out the back door to make sure it was clear, and then waited for the restaurant zombies to fill up at least half of the area. He slammed the door and made sure it was tight, before he raced back to rejoin his crew. Were you yelling? Coleman asked as he returned. The captain nodded. Yep, he confirmed. I had to draw them off of the street so we could get across. So you found the chamber? Walter asked hopefully. Yep, Terrell replied, motioning to the road. Other side of the road on the next block. They looked out towards the intersection, still seeing zombies milling about the direction they needed to go. Might be a good idea to go up a block and come back down, Miles suggested. Buy us a little more space. Terrell nodded 
and extended his arm. Lead on, then. Miles headed forward, leading the group from their hiding spot. They crossed the side street before moving up to the back of the main street buildings. They moved quickly, but didn't speed up to a run so they could keep their footsteps quiet. They reached the other side and crept up to the curb, ducking behind a dented sedan and looking around at the numbers of the building. Miles pointed to a sign boasting Chamber of Commerce and turned to Terrell. It's still two doors down, he said quietly, but there's still a lot of zombies in the road. Any in front? Terrell asked. He shook his head. No, but still too close for comfort, he admitted. Coleman pointed across the street. Let's get in through the back then. Miles nodded and glanced back down the street, watching the zombies shambling away towards Terrell's restaurant distraction. With their backs turned, he chanced creeping across the street. He waved for the others to follow, putting a finger to his lips. When they got into an alleyway on the other side, Miles peeked back out to make sure that they hadn't been discovered. None of the zombies had noticed them, thankfully, and he ducked back into the alley, giving Terrell a thumbs up. He took the lead, heading to the back of the building and peering around the corner. A few zombies hung around near a dumpster, and he motioned to his soldiers to take them out. Miles and Coleman rushed forward silently, stabbing the zombies and catching the bodies as they fell to avoid making any noise. Terrell approached the door, and when he found it locked, he wedged his knife into the doorframe and wiggled it, just like he had on the restaurant. He nodded towards the door, counting down quietly before pulling it open for Coleman to lead the way inside. The chamber was a small building with two smaller offices near the back and a large front area with a meeting table and a front sitting area. The blinds were closed, cheap plastic with nicotine stains collected since the 90s. Coleman quickly swept the area, finding nothing. He got up to the front, peeking out to make sure no zombies had turned towards the building. And they hadn't, still shambling off for the restaurant they thought still held a snack. He double-checked the door was secure before joining the rest. We're good, he said. Miles secured the back door, making sure it was latched snugly. All right, Terrell said, rolling his hand in the air above his head. Everybody start digging through desks and cabinets, he instructed. We gotta find us a mechanic. Chapter six. The group poured over paper scattered all over the desks and tables in the conference room. In the center was a map of the town, spread out in all its detail, and Terrell stood over it, staring down at it with a determined expression. I got it, Walter said emerging from one of the back offices with a Rolodex in one hand, the other clutching a cream-colored card. You got us a mechanic? Terrell asked, turning to him. The kid nodded. Mechanic and junkyard, he replied with a proud grin. They're gonna have it all. He approached the large table, dropping the Rolodex with a thunk, and then held out the card to the captain. Terrell took it and read it over. Smitty's Junker Service, 968 Maple. He leaned over the map and scanned the little side streets, running his finger along the lines. Ten blocks to the north, he finally said, tapping on the spot on the map. That'll work. Coleman and Walter leaned over the map as well, tracing the route, while Miles stayed at the front window, keeping watch on the zombies. 
They continued to congregate around the restaurant, shoving in through the front door like lemmings. All of a sudden, there was a glint out of the corner of his eye, and he shifted his focus to the building across the street. Several people moved about inside the building, taking up firing positions at the windows. Miles froze for a moment at the sight, but then fell into a fight mode and raised his gun. He opened fire, his first shot shattering the glass and catching a man across the street in the chest. The sudden jarring sound of bullets flying sent Terrell and Coleman to the floor. What the fuck is going, Terrell began, and then gunfire shredded the front of the building. He grabbed Walter's arm and pulled him down next to him, the kid's eyes wide as saucers. Bullets flew, glass exploded, papers flapped around everywhere. Miles fired a few blind shots and then hit the deck, crawling frantically back to his crew. Get to the back, go, Terrell bellowed. Coleman was the closest to the back hallway, and he crawled towards it with his handgun at the ready, just in case somebody was trying to flank them. As he reached the door, gunfire continuing to tear through the Chamber of Commerce, he slid out along the pavement, aiming in both directions to check. Clear, he called, and then leapt up to a crouch, getting out of the way so the others could join him. Coleman and Miles took up a flanking position, aiming in both directions behind the back of the building. Walter pressed his back up against the wall, next to Terrell, who peered back into the building as the firing stopped. These assholes just don't quit, he muttered. Coleman threw a glance over his shoulder. Eh, look at the bright side, Cap, he drawled. At least you weren't paranoid about the tire exploding. What are we going to do? Walter demanded, wringing his hands in panic. Miles cocked his head. Not a bad question, Cap. We need to get to that mechanic shop, Terrell declared. Coleman and Miles shared a pointed look and then nodded at each other. You and Walter take care of that, Coleman said. Terrell furrowed his brow. What the fuck y'all gonna do, he demanded. Draw them to the south, his second replied. He approached the door and held out his fist, and his captain bumped it with a firm nod. Rally back here once you're clear if you can, Terrell said. If not, head to the trucks. Coleman nodded. See you on the other side, Cap, he said, and then peeked in the door. Several of their attackers had approached the building and were stepping through the busted windows to get inside, guns sweeping the area. Coleman dipped inside and fired a few shots, playing possum at the door until one of the men noticed him. As soon as they made eye contact, he took off running towards the south. Terrell grabbed Walter's arm and dragged him along, tearing north and across the street away from the building. He dove behind a van in the lot and shoved the kid down behind a wheel well before taking a position just above him. Walter didn't move, simply sitting silently, breath quick as he thought about how much trouble they were in. Terrell kept his head down just enough so that he couldn't be seen through the van window, but could peer across the inside of the vehicle. He counted 11 men pouring out of the back of the building to chase after Coleman and Miles. The last one was a familiar face, and Terrell's gaze darkened at the sight of Mario, the guy he'd let go when he tried to sneak into their community with Miles. This motherfucker ain't getting away this time, he thought bitterly. Mario pointed to the south and sent seven of his men that way to chase after the soldiers. The other three clustered around him, and they ran northward. Terrell took a knee next to Walter and put a hand on his shoulder. I need you to listen closely, he whispered into the kid's ear. 
We're in trouble, but we're gonna get out of it. We're going to have to fight our way through them to get what we need. Do you think you can handle it? Walter nodded jerkily. Terrell stared him down, making sure he understood the severity of the situation and judging his resolve. Okay, he whispered. You do what I say when I say it, and we'll be fine, okay? He asked, and the kid nodded again, more vigorously this time. Okay, first off, Terrell continued. We're gonna sit here for a few minutes and let them get nice and far away from here. If we're lucky, we'll be able to sneak right past them. He kept his gun at the ready, watching both north and south in case somebody decided to double back. His heart pounding and his soul ready for battle, Terrell knelt next to the teenager he'd sworn to protect and waited. Chapter Seven Coleman and Miles ran down the next block of buildings, ducking behind cover at the next street. As soon as they turned the corner, there were three zombies there. Rather than fire, Miles didn't break momentum, crashing into them with his shoulder and sending them tumbling back onto the ground. Coleman skidded to a stop and peeked back around the corner, watching several men pour out of the back of the chamber building. How bad is it? Miles asked, checking his mag. Coleman shook his head. Dozen or so, can't tell, he replied. There were only two bullets left in Miles' mag, so he swapped it out for his full one. Well, at least I have more bullets than bad guys. He readied his weapon before turning back to the zombies flailing on the ground. They were managing to find their footing, so he walked back over and kicked the closest one firmly in the chest, sending it tumbling back into the others and knocking them back again. So what's the play, he asked. Coleman shrugged. Get them as far south of the captain as possible, he replied. I dig it, Miles agreed. But not sure simply running forever is that great of a plan, he added. His partner turned to him. If you have an idea, I'm game, he said. That school we passed when we first came into town isn't too far away, Miles suggested. Coleman raised an eyebrow. You mean the one that had all the zombies around it, he asked. Yeah, that's the one, Miles replied nodding excitedly. His partner stared at him for a moment, and then noticed the zombies getting back up again. You, uh, he said, motioning to the trio of undead. You want to take care of that? Miles turned and gave the lead one another swift kick, sending them back to the ground in another rotted pile. When he turned back to his friend's questioning gaze, he shrugged. What, he asked. Let those assholes worry about them, if it's a straight up fight against them, we're in trouble, he said. If they're fighting against us and zombies, we got a chance. Good enough for me, Coleman agreed. Let's give them a reason to keep following us. Miles nodded, and they took off down to Main Street, taking up positions beside one of the buildings. The bulk of the zombies on the street had flooded into the restaurant across the way, although some of them turned at the sound of footsteps. The ghouls began moaning and shambling towards the two men who lay in wait for their pursuers. Miles kept his weapon trained on them, while Coleman aimed at the corner they'd just come around. He kept a countdown of how long they had before they should run. 30 yards, he finally said. Coleman nodded. We're good, he reported. The zombies continued to shamble towards them, their moans and snarls grabbing the attention of the others that had been still trying to get into the restaurant. 25 yards, Miles said. 
He gripped his weapon, hoping he wouldn't have to waste precious ammo on the creatures. Coleman remained steadfast, keeping his eyes peeled for their pursuers, waiting on just the first one to come around the corner. 20, Miles urged. His partner listened intently, trying to blot out the sounds of the moaning and hear approaching living footsteps. He finally heard what he thought could be running footsteps getting closer from across the way. 15, Miles said, his voice beginning to strain. They're almost here, Coleman hissed. His partner took a deep breath. Hope so. After a few more tense moments, he turned to glare at his friend. 10, he called. Coleman didn't answer and kept his concentration as the first man came around the corner. Him and a buddy, two middle-aged men with hunting rifles and pistols, noticed the trio of zombies that Miles had knocked down and pulled their handguns as the ghouls approached them. Five, Miles urged. Coleman aimed and pulled the trigger. One of the men's knees exploded, and he screamed in agony, dropping to the ground. The other one panic-fired towards Coleman, who was already aiming to fire again. His bullet went wild as Miles grabbed his arm and dragged him down the sidewalk. What the fuck? Coleman barked, but the words died on his lips at the sight of ten zombies five yards away. They darted into the road as gunfire rang out, and then the telltale screams of someone getting eaten alive by zombies. One down, Coleman muttered, glad that at least his kneecap shot had had the desired effect. They ran up a few blocks, taking up position at the end of the row of businesses. Miles watched the main street side, and Coleman ran up to the back of the building, setting up shop there. The former fired a few shots at the zombies closest to him, buying himself a little more time. How far's the school? Coleman asked. Miles glanced down the road, noting a few houses in the distance and a huge driveway just past them. Looks like maybe a quarter mile, he replied. Cover? his partner asked. Few houses, Miles reported, but God knows what's inside. Then let's stay outside then, huh? Coleman quipped, and then peeked out around the back of the buildings, seeing half a dozen men heading his way. They ran up, taking cover, a few breaking and moving up, then the back ones breaking and moving up, and so on. When they reached a few storefronts away, Coleman fired, narrowly missing a ducking head. Got six my way, he said, as he flattened himself against the brick wall. You got anything? They aren't coming this way, Miles replied, shaking his head at the 30 or so zombies now in the street. He broke away and rushed over to his partner. Too many of those things. Coleman leaned out and squeezed off a few more shots, missing his target. Several bullets flew back at him, a few ricocheting off of the wall where he hid, and he ducked back beside his friend. I think you may have pissed them off. Miles said brightly. Coleman nodded. Pretty safe assumption, he replied, and peeked around the corner again. They were getting a little too close for comfort. Fall back to the houses, he said, and after a quick countdown, they broke cover. The duo tore towards the closest house, and as they approached it, several zombies appeared on both sides, drawn to the gunfire. Take where we're going, Miles cried. Shots rang out behind them, one whistling as it narrowly missed him, and they darted through the yard. In the house, Coleman yelled, and hip-fired his rifle a few times, shattering the front bay window. He didn't stop moving, 
diving through it into the living room. He landed on the ground with a thud. The wind knocked out of him as his chest hit the hardwood floor. Miles leapt in behind him, taking a more tactful hop over the threshold as bullets ripped into the house. Coleman rolled over and drew his handgun as a zombie ambled towards him from the hallway. As he aimed, Miles rushed over to it and grabbed the creature by its shirt, whipping it around and then throwing it right out the front window. He took a knee and peered out the corner of the window at the six men chasing them. He fired a few shots, forcing the men to stop their forward momentum and find cover or hit the ground. A few of them fired back, and he backed away from the window. Persistent fuckers, aren't they? He muttered. More windows exploded, and a lucky shot managed to hit the doorknob, and the front door swung open by its own accord. Zombies immediately took advantage and began pouring into the house. You gotta be fucking kidding me, Coleman growled, and they leapt to their feet. The firing stopped for a moment as the zombies invaded the house, and Miles lunged for them. He crashed into the lead zombie with a vicious shoulder bash, sending it into the second one and back out the door. He gave it a swift kick in the chest, and they went down the front porch step, clearing the doorway. Miles flipped off the gunman through the open door, and then ducked for cover as bullets flew once again. The bird, huh? Coleman chuckled, shaking his head at his friend. Miles shrugged, brushing off one of his shoulders. Yeah, gotta remind them that they aren't breaking us. A lamp above Coleman's head exploded in an array of glass and flowery fabric, and he covered his head, laughing even more at their situation. Come on, he said, let's get to the school. They crawled along the floor to the back of the house, careful to avoid broken glass, and peeked out the rear entry. When they were sure there were no zombies there, they crept to the corner of the house, and Coleman peered discreetly around the corner to see the gunmen were aiming at the zombies everywhere, buying them at least a few moments. He aimed and fired, hitting one of the closest men in the chest, dropping him to the ground. They're following us for sure now, he muttered, and then clapped Miles on the back. The duo raced off, leaving the gunmen to fight off the zombies and then come chasing after them. They spotted the school in the distance, about 50 yards away past another row of houses. There was another horde past it, shambling towards all the noise, so both men pumped their legs hard to beat the undead to their target. They ran as hard as they could, and the gunfire began to die down in the background. That put them on the clock, and their chests heaved and lungs burned as they sprinted towards the school. When they reached the side that faced the neighborhood, they each picked a window, using the butt ends of their rifles to smash the glass. They cleared out the shards and quickly leapt inside a classroom. Coleman stuck by his window as Miles swept the room. He listened for movement as he moved quickly and purposefully towards the door, creaking it open and looking into the hallway. There was a glass wall at the front of the building, with several zombies milling about outside, but the hallway itself was empty. Hallway is clear, he reported as he ducked back inside, and we have reinforcements out front. How many? Coleman asked, keeping his eyes on the road. Miles peeked out again. Half dozen immediately, God only knows after that, he replied. Door, Coleman asked. Miles shook his head. Just like a fire extinguisher, he said with a grin. In case of emergency, break glass. His partner smiled as Miles returned to the window, 
and they exchanged a fist bump before taking up defensive positions at their windows. So how do you want to play it? Coleman asked. Miles checked his ammo. He was down to 10 shots in his rifle. Gonna have to get them real close if I'm gonna shoot them, he replied, shaking his head. Can't afford to miss too many more times. Coleman checked his rifle, counting only six shots left. Same here, he said. I say we draw them in, Miles suggested. Get to another classroom down the hall, then shoot past them and bring in reinforcements. His partner nodded thoughtfully. Worst case is that it'll draw them out from cover so we can take them out, he mused. Best case is they eat the fuckers to the point where they can't run when they reanimate, Miles added brightly. His partner shuddered. With the day we're having, I'll settle for drawing them out from cover. Damn straight, brother, Miles replied with a dark chuckle. Damn straight. They set up their firing line and readied themselves for their pursuers to attack. Chapter 8 Terrell rushed up a side street a block off of the main drag, Walter running close behind him. He knew there were four people up ahead, hunting and stalking, but with any luck they'd be looking in the wrong direction when he found them. He kept quiet and low to the ground, eyes sweeping everywhere, trusting Walter to stay silent as well. They got a block up, stopping behind a row of dense hedges lining the road. Terrell looked up, seeing a row of houses that ran on for several blocks. He studied the area, not seeing any immediate threat other than a handful of zombies. He ducked back down and turned to the kid. Okay, listen up, he whispered. We have to evade detection, so I need you to stay as quiet as you can. Also, you can't kill any zombies, he said. Walter's brow furrowed, and he opened his mouth to ask why, instead just shaking his head so he didn't make any noise. If they see a dead zombie, they can track us, the captain explained, and the kid's eyes went wide with understanding. You ready? Terrell asked. Walter nodded, and Terrell gave his shoulder a squeeze, before popping his head up one more time to look around, making sure the coast was clear. After he was certain they were alone, he took off. They stayed off of the road, running in the yard to soften their footsteps with the grass. As they reached a few houses up, a couple of zombies came around the bend. Terrell paused and then took off across the street, jogging as lightly as he could to the next set of yards as the zombies shambled after them. After moving up a few more blocks, a couple dozen zombies wandered in from a side street, forming a wall in their way. Terrell immediately ducked behind a tree, dragging Walter behind him a few houses down from the street. The captain leaned out slightly, peeking at the corpses, and noticed that they were all moving in the same direction, like lemmings that were drawn to something that interested them. This could be an opportunity, he thought, and then grabbed Walter's arm. He pointed towards the house they were outside of, and then took off towards the front door. It was locked, but there was a tiny strip of window on either side of the doorframe. He used his handgun to smash it open, reaching in to unlock the door. The sound of glass shattering alerted a few zombies from the traveling pack. Walter tugged on Terrell's shirt, frantically pointing at them, his lips pressed into a thin, scared line. They aren't getting in here, Terrell assured him quietly. Don't worry. He headed inside and aimed into the dim house. Make sure that door is locked up tight, 
he said, and Walter shut it quietly, latching it, and then turning the knob an extra time to make sure it was secure. Terrell swept the moderately-sized one-story bungalow, noting that nothing seemed disturbed or out of place. He assumed the inhabitants must have been away when the apocalypse hit, because there was zero sign of anyone having been touching anything in there at all. He went to the kitchen, flipping through cabinets, and found a sealed pack of crackers and some bottles of water. He scooped them up, and then waved for Walter to follow him to the back bedroom. They sat down on the bed, and he handed the kid a bottle, opening one for himself. Bud, I'm gonna need you to stay here, he said, and poor Walter choked as he chugged a large gulp of water. When I leave, I want you to barricade this door with everything you can move, do you understand? The kid shook his head as he caught his breath. No, he argued, I can help you out there. Terrell put a hand on his young friend's shoulder. If it was just zombies out there, you'd be shoulder to shoulder with me, trust me, he said sincerely. But I gotta go on a hunt, and I can't do that if I'm looking over my shoulder to make sure you're okay. The kid nodded somberly, disappointed, but knowing the captain was right. I'll stay in here until you come get me, he replied firmly, and then took another smaller sip of water. Terrell took a gulp of his own and then pursed his lips. It was four against one, and that wasn't even counting the zombies. He didn't want to scare the kid, but he didn't want to leave him stranded either. Walter, he said slowly, this is unlikely, but you need to hear it. He gave his shoulder a squeeze. If I don't come back, you're gonna come get me. Walter shook off his hand, putting up his own. I know it. Terrell nodded. I know I am, but just in case, he replied. If you're still here in the morning, I want you to grab some of that water in there and just start walking back to Clinton. Just stay on the main road as much as you can. Xavier will send someone out to look for you. You ain't gotta worry about me, Walter replied, putting on a brave face despite the waver in his voice. I'll be okay. Terrell smiled and nodded, proud that his young protege was handling the difficult situation as well as he could given the circumstances. I'll be back soon. He handed over the box of crackers and shut the door behind him. As soon as he did, he heard the telltale sign of Walter shoving something heavy across the floor to block the door. Good job, kid, he thought, and then darted to the front door. He peeked out and saw that several of the zombies from the back had congregated outside. Damn, he muttered. Looks like I'm going out the back, he thought, and then headed for the back of the house. There were only a couple of zombies in the backyard, apparently drawn to the noise as well. Luckily, they were a ways away from the door, giving him an opportunity to get out. He secured the door behind him before heading across the grass towards the creatures. The first one received a good shove and toppled back onto its ass. He barreled into the second one and then jogged past them waiting about 10 yards away for them to get back to their feet. Once they did, he waved his arms to make sure he caught their attention, and they lumbered towards him instead of the house. That's right, come get me, he said quietly. He knew they wouldn't have been able to get inside, but if he could ease the kid's mind, he would. If there were a bunch of zombies banging on the back door, that would probably just freak him out the whole time Terrell was gone. Satisfied with the distraction, 
Terrell ran through the yards, cutting in between houses as he caught up with a lumbering set of creatures. He remained behind the cover of the houses lining the road and kept pace with them, hoping they'd lead him to pay dirt. He didn't have to wait long, as a shot rang out soon enough, dropping one of the zombies in the group. He couldn't see where the shot had come from, but the zombies quickly did the work for him, moving as a single unit towards the noise of the blast. It boggled him how they were so easily able to locate the source of a noise that echoed. Perhaps their dead ears muffled it like earplugs, so they could easily locate where gunshots were coming from. He watched from his hiding spot as the creatures moved up towards a house across the street. Another shot rang out, and he watched as four men broke cover, two going to the right and two going to the left. It was too fast to tell which group Mario was in, although he was concerned one of the teams was headed back towards the house Walter was in. He shook his head. He didn't have time to be paranoid. There was no reason why they would be searching every house and find the kid. The zombies broke into two groups, drawn to the noise of both footsteps. A smaller group shambled after the duo to the right, tracking them. Looks like you boys are first, he thought with a dark grin. He watched them carefully as they ran across the street, bypassing the first house they came to. Terrell gave chase, staying behind his row of houses to remain out of sight. The two men scrambled for a couple of blocks, eventually reaching a restaurant building a block on the other side of the main road. Terrell was out of cover, so he ducked down about 60 yards from them, watching as they broke out the front door window to get inside. A few moments later, he heard a muffled gunshot coming from inside, quickly followed by another one. If they're fighting, I can move, he thought, and then rushed out from behind cover to dart across the road towards the restaurant. A couple more gunshots cracked from inside, stopping when he hit the parking lot. With the distraction over, he raced to the side of the building, flattening himself against the bricks next to a window. He glanced inside carefully, seeing that the duo had taken out several zombies and were doing a slow sweep of the dining area. When they weren't looking, he rushed towards the back, stopping between windows to stay out of sight. He peeked inside again, noting one of them walking dangerously close to the windows, starting at the back. He readied his rifle, just in case. Terrell held his breath as the man reached the back set of windows, but he didn't look out of them, simply closed the curtains and then worked his way back to the front of the store. Terrell peered in once his back was turned and saw his partner on the other side of the building doing the same thing. Ammo is limited, he thought, contemplating. Hard to pass up a point-blank shot like this. Terrell gripped his rifle tightly, waiting to strike. He watched through the corner of the window as the man closed the curtains on one set before coming up to the one he stood outside of. The oblivious man stopped at the window next to Terrell, looking out for a second before wrapping his hands around the curtains. As soon as his arms were wide, the captain popped his rifle out from behind the corner, firing a quick three-burst blast. The bullets tore through the glass and hit the man in the chest, dropping him. Terrell immediately leapt through the window, landing on top of the wheezing man as he struggled for his last breath, lungs like Swiss cheese. Benji, the other guy yelled and drew his gun, firing towards Terrell, who had safely scampered away under a table. His living opponent panicked, 
rushing over towards his fallen friend. Terrell checked his gun, seeing that it was out of bullets, but not wanting to risk the noise of a reload. He laid in wait, tucked away for his chance. The gunman rushed around, looking for the source of his friend's death, and ran right past Terrell's hiding spot, giving him the opportunity to get the drop on him. The captain popped out of hiding, smacking the rifle out of the man's hands and bringing his palm up in a vicious strike to his face, staggering him backwards. The gunman was average height, but large with a healthy beer gut and swollen arms. He growled and fell into a fighting stance. I'm gonna fuck you up, he spat. Terrell barked a laugh. Unlikely, he drawled, but by all means, try your luck. The gunman let out a yell before bum-rushing him. Surprised by his speed, Terrell attempted to grab a chair and swing it, but he wasn't fast enough, and the man was able to wrap him up in a bear hug. He picked Terrell up off of the ground, causing the chair to clatter to the floor, harmless. As he squeezed the captain around the waist, Terrell extended his arms wide before boxing the guy's head hard with his fists as hard as he could. The first blow staggered his opponent, but he didn't let go. Instead, he screamed and squeezed even tighter. Terrell responded by repeating the blows several more times in rapid succession, which eventually got too painful to handle. The guy dropped his charge, and the captain fell onto his back flat on the ground, spine stinging from the powerful bear hug. The gunman regained his focus and rushed towards the downed Terrell like a coked out Yeti. As he got close, Terrell rolled out of the way underneath a table, letting his opponent stomp by. The captain leapt to his feet as the man threw a table out of the way and rushed him again. This time, Terrell gave a low, straight kick, catching him in the knee and forcing him off balance. He was able to step out of the way as the pained man stumbled forward, grabbing onto the back of his shirt collar and pulling it back. The man hit the ground hard, the back of his head bouncing off of the hardwood, as he laid there dazed, Terrell grabbed a nearby chair, winging it down hard like a pro wrestler finishing off an opponent. The impact shattered the chair, as well as a few bones in the man's face. Blood splattered from his nose, and he rolled around moaning in pain. Terrell gripped one of the shards of wood from the chair in his fist and lunged forward with an uppercut as the man struggled to get up on one knee. The splintered stake pierced the man's Adam's apple. He stayed on his knees for a moment, gurgling blood. As the last bit of life went out of his eyes, he collapsed on the floor face first, sending the wood straight out through the back of his neck. Terrell caught his breath and patted down the dead men, but he only found rounds for hunting rifles. If there's time after getting the trucks going, we can come back, he thought. Not gonna turn down weapons. He took a moment to compose himself, and then stood up. All right, Mario, time for you to get your ass kicked, he thought with a sneer. Chapter Nine Terrell went to the front door, looking out and seeing that the zombies that were in pursuit of the two he'd just taken out were coming up the road. Not wanting more trouble than he needed, he darted to the back, cutting through the kitchen. As he passed, he spotted a magnet wall hanger filled with cutting tools. He paused to peruse them, grabbing a shiny silver meat cleaver that looked like it could easily cut through bone. 
this could be some fun, he thought, and headed for the back door with his new toy in hand. He paused at the emergency exit, and then gently pressed on the latch bar, inching the door open hair by hair. He peered through the sliver of light and didn't see anything wandering nearby. He stepped out and then leapt away from the door as a set of decaying hands grabbed it from behind and shoved it against him. As he dove out of the way, the door slammed shut beneath the weight of the creature, creating a loud boom in the process. Terrell winced, but shook his head at the badly mangled corpse. He couldn't even tell if it had been a man or a woman with the amount of bites littering its rotten body. Looks like you were the star of a buffet, he murmured, and the ghoul staggered forward. He reared back with his new weapon and swung, the tip of the extremely sharp blade cutting through the decaying bone like it wasn't even there. Terrell caught it on the side of the forehead, going about six inches deep, slicing right through and cracking the skull. The zombie staggered dumbly for a moment before collapsing in a heap. Oh, yeah, the captain said to himself, looking at the shiny blade. This is a keeper. He crept to the corner of the building and stared out towards the incoming horde. They were focused on the front of the building, thankfully not drawn by the sound of the door slamming, and he took the chance to rush across the side street. As he got across, he slid on the grass to duck behind some garbage bins. He peeked over them, watching as the creatures moved towards the building, paying him no attention. Just to be safe, he went halfway down the block before crossing back over the main road to head back in Walter's direction. All right, Mario, where are you hiding at? He thought and skulked through the neighborhood. He stayed off of the road and out of sight as much as he could, pausing at every house to scan the area, looking for any signs of Mario and his friend. After a few blocks, he hadn't seen much of anything, human or zombie. Okay, maybe he went the other direction after breaking out of that house, he thought, as he knelt down beside a house a few blocks from where he'd left Walter. I had to do something to lose that mini horde that was after them. He contemplated the situation, wondering what the correct play was. On one hand, Mario had a lot coming to him. Terrell's fingers itched with the need to make that asshole wish he were dead. But he was wasting time. They had a job to do, and Mario could wait, as much as it pained him to think it. He finally decided to go retrieve Walter and head to the garage. As he got within sight range of the house, his heart sank. There were a dozen zombies around the back entrance. He stood up straight, looking over their heads, and saw that the back door was still secure. Maybe they heard the others and followed them to the house, he wondered. No, that can't be it, because those things were following me. Anxiety rose in him. He needed to get into the house to get the kid. He thought about going around to the front, but it could be worse than this situation. Not to mention that could expose him to Mario's goons if there were any still lurking around. He decided to fight. Terrell emerged from his hiding spot, walking to the edge of the yard. He looked around on the ground, surveying a nice little garden area with some flowers and decorative rocks. He reached down and picked up a handful of the shiny stones, the cleaver in his other hand. It's like that carnival game where you knock down the clown with the ball, he thought with glee except they're zombies, and they'll straight up murder you. He paused. So, just like the clown. 
He chuckled to himself and lined up a throw. The first rock flew through the air, catching a creature in the back of the head. It turned around to see the captain waving and smiling, sunlight glinting off of the cleaver. It moved towards him, moaning a little, and started to move away from the pack. As it broke away, Terrell threw another rock, striking another ghoul in the back, and it turned as well, joining in the pursuit. By the time four staggered throws had sent a handful of creatures coming his way, they were fairly spread out. With their collective moans, he didn't have to launch any more projectiles, as they pulled their brethren away all by themselves. He stepped up to the first one, using his cleaver to crack down on the zombie's head, splitting the skull like a coconut and dropping it. He yanked out the blade and awaited the next one, dispatching it with a quick swipe, sending a good portion of the top of its head flying through the air. We are definitely adding kitchen-grade cutlery to the shopping list, he thought, as he struck the third one down with ease. After the fourth, the remaining eight came at him more bunched together. He didn't want to risk being overwhelmed, so he began a strike-and-retreat tactic. Terrell darted forward, kicking one creature down and striking the one beside it across the face before leaping several feet back to reset. It took him a few minutes as he was being overcautious, but he needed to take the turtle way. Slow and steady wins the race, or slow and steady survived the zombies. After he had cleared the congregation, he stood over his pile of bodies, admiring the cleaver, covered in blood but still shiny and silver. He wiped it on a ghoul to clean it off and then moved to the house. He gently turned the knob of the back door, sneaking in quietly. As he headed up the hallway, he froze at the sight of the front door wide open, a few dead zombies lying on the floor. His heart raced as he ran to the back bedroom. Walter, he yelled, all cautiousness gone from his brain. He froze in the hallway, seeing the door cracked open, splinters of wood on the floor and the dresser overturned in the bedroom. He rushed inside, looking around frantically. Walter? No reply. He checked the closet and then screwed his fists into his eyes, letting out a deep breath before turning back towards the door. Next to the frame was a piece of paper skewered to the wall with a knife. In big letters scrawled across, it read, Still need a tire? Terrell roared, tearing the note down and crumpling it in his fists tearing it apart and throwing the pieces to the floor. He grabbed the knife from the wall and swallowed hard when he realized it was Walter's. He clenched his jaw as he sheathed the knife. By the time I'm done with him, this motherfucker's gonna wish his mama was never born. Chapter 10 Coleman and Miles watched from their windows as the five men in pursuit of them took up positions outside of the school. Think we should take a few pot shots at them? Miles asked. Coleman shrugged. Honestly, I'd save them for the window once they're inside, he replied. They continued watching as the gunmen outside motioned for each other to move up, but none of them did so yet. So, any regrets? Coleman asked as conversational as if he were discussing the weather that day. Miles barked a soft laugh. You mean in general, or just today, he asked. Because I really regret not going back for seconds with that meal Ruth and June cooked up. His friend chuckled and shook his head. 
Nah, man, I mean any regrets joining up with us, he asked, voice sincere. If you hadn't done that, you could be out there with them, fighting over who gets to be the first suicide runner up here. Miles smirked. Well, if I was out there with them, he teased, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have made it this far. Bold to think you could catch me, Coleman quipped with a wink. His friend cocked a brow. Even bolder to think I'm that bad of a shot. If you were that good of a shot, Coleman shot back, we wouldn't be relying on zombies to bail us out. Miles laughed, nodding. That's a fair point. So seriously, though, man, Coleman said, sobering a little. Any regrets? His friend shook his head. None whatsoever, he said immediately. I was never a fan of being the aggressor in a fight. Feels a whole lot better to help defend it from invaders than to be one of the invaders, you know? With you 100% of the way there, man, Coleman agreed. Just sad that we've had way too many opportunities of late to be defenders. Miles nodded, frowning. Ain't that the fucking truth? Outside, it seemed that their invaders' negotiations were at an end, as one of them got up from their position to rush forward. Looks like one of them finally drew the short straw, Coleman said. Miles took aim, squeezing off a single shot that caught the running man in the arm, sending him spinning to the ground. The other four men in hiding immediately opened fire, causing the two soldiers to drop to the ground. Yeah, zero chance you would have been able to shoot me, Coleman grunted. Miles smirked. In my defense, that guy is a lot skinnier than you, he quipped. His friend rolled his eyes. Excuses, excuses, he retorted. The two men crawled on the ground of the classroom as bullets tore through the glass. As they got to the door, they slid into the hallway, springing to their feet as the concrete wall gave them some cover. They rushed down the hall to the other classrooms, about 10 yards away from where they'd been pressed against the floor. They each took up position on either side of the hall, getting to the ground and aiming up the hallway. How long you think it's gonna take for them to realize we're not in the windows, Miles asked. The gunfire continued outside. Apparently a little longer, Coleman replied. They stayed out of sight, looking up the hallway. The noise had attracted several zombies to the front wall glass, with half a dozen of them now pressed up against it. Well, at least we've drawn out some more reinforcements, Miles said brightly. His friend wrinkled his nose. Let's just hope we don't get too many more of them, he said. I would rather not get overwhelmed today if I can help it. Miles nodded as the gunfire outside finally stopped. The soldiers remained silent, listening as the intruders entered the building. Their feet stomped on broken glass in the classroom. You hold them in, Miles whispered. I'll take care of the glass. Coleman nodded, waiting for their enemies to emerge from the classroom. As soon as the first barrel emerged, he squeezed off a shot that missed the target and smacked into the doorframe. Damn it he muttered, regretting making fun of Miles's aim. Karma was a bitch. The gunmen began shooting frantically from around the corner, not even aiming at all. Miles, on the other hand, aimed deliberately to the front window. He fired once, creating a crack in the glass. Shit, it's reinforced, he muttered. One of the gunmen came into the hallway, firing several times towards Coleman as he tried to get to the room across the hall. Miles diverted his aim, shooting the man in the gut 
and dropping him to the ground. The man screamed in pain, writhing on the linoleum. Hit the glass, Coleman yelled. Miles aimed at the window again. Fuck it, he muttered, and unloaded the rest of the rounds in his assault rifle. They tore through the glass, sending spiderwebs of cracks all the way through it. The noise from inside enraged the creatures on the outside, and they started to push against it with all the hunger burning inside their rotted guts. The combined force of the zombies against the weakened window caused it to crumble inwards. There was a loud clattering of glass shards on the tiles as they broke in. A large piece hung above them as they started to walk in, which gave way after a moment. It fell straight down, scraping against the back of one of the zombies coming in, shaving off the back of it and leaving it behind outside. The wounded man on the ground looked back to see that several creatures were headed his way, and he panicked. Get me out of here, he screamed at his friends. I don't want to die. One of his friends darted out of the classroom in an attempt to rescue his wounded comrade. As soon as he cleared the doorway, Coleman unloaded a three-shot burst, catching the man in the torso and head with two bullets. His blood splattered across the fallen man, and as the body crumpled next to him, he began to shriek incoherently. Miles tossed his rifle aside, hopping up off the ground and running up to the doorway, knife at the ready. The wounded man looked in at his friends. Stop, he screamed, but they must have assumed he was yelling at the zombies because one of them entered the hallway anyway. Miles grabbed the new enemy by the arm, yanking him out of the classroom and slamming him against the wall. The impact caused him to lose control of his gun, which hit the floor. The two of them scuffled, exchanging a few punches that didn't have much impact in the tight space. As they fought, one of the man's friends took aim at Miles, but ducked back behind cover as Coleman unloaded another few rounds, narrowly missing his opponent's face. The soldier pulled the trigger again, but there was just a dull click. Damn it, Coleman muttered, and rushed forward as the two remaining men entered the hallway. One turned towards Miles, and the other aimed at the oncoming zombies that inched ever closer to their human buffet. Coleman whipped his empty rifle at Miles's attacker, and the man instinctively flinched, allowing the soldier to reach him. Coleman attempted a headbutt, but the man ducked to the side just in time, and the hit glanced off of his cheek. Both men were about the same size, so neither could get the advantage to throw the other. They wrapped their hands around each other's collars, struggling to gain the upper hand. The man focused on the zombies, aimed and fired, striking the lead creature in the head. He quickly reloaded and fired at the skinned zombie, taking it out. As he reloaded to take out the other four, he froze, eyes fixed on the shattered window. A mass of creatures swarmed the opening, at least 40 of them, drawn by the gunfire. Guys, the man screamed, guys. The four men engaged in fisticuffs paused, looking over at the oncoming horde. Coleman turned back to his opponent. Truce, he asked breathlessly. The man nodded furiously, and they let go of each other. Miles leapt off of his opponent from the floor, and he and his tentative comrade grabbed the arms of the wounded man on the floor, dragging him along the linoleum. They stopped at the first classroom across the hall from their entry point, looking through to see zombies pressed up against the windows they'd entered in. 
Coleman grunted and looked around, and then pointed to the end of the hall at the sign for the library. Library, let's move, he cried. And he and his ex-attacker sprinted down the hallway as the other two continued to drag the wounded man. They burst in through the heavy wooden doors of the library, giving the room a quick sweep and finding no resistance. As soon as Miles and his gaggle were through, Coleman slammed the door shut as they set the groaning man on the ground. Bookcase, let's go, Miles barked, wrapping his arm around one of the heavy shelves. The four of them dragged it together, leaning it up against the door. Okay, Bubba, he continued, pointing to the shorter, heavy set of their new companions. You lean up against this and make sure nothing gets in. The man simply nodded and complied, seemingly too panicked to offer any resistance. Coleman ran over to the windows, attempting to open them, but stopping when he realized that they were not only locked, but there were bars on the outside. The man he'd been fighting with headed over, letting out a sigh of frustration at the situation. Why in the holy hell would they have bars on the windows? He demanded, throwing up his arms. Who would be risking jail for some books? Coleman glanced over to the computer lab in the corner of the room. Probably to protect those, he suggested, motioning to the machines. Damn computers are gonna be the death of us all, the guy muttered, shaking his head. Miles approached them and ran his hands through his short hair. So now what, he asked, and then they all turned towards the door as zombies began to bang on the hardwood. The portly guy against the bookcase moaned in fear, pressing himself back against it with all he had. Coleman pursed his lips as he surveyed the room, only concrete walls and bookcases with barred windows. Don't know yet. Chapter 11 Terrell approached the edge of the junkyard. It was a small lot near the edge of town, with cheap metal fencing blocking out the entirety of the lot. The building was decently sized, with an office and sales area, and a garage attached to the side of it with the rolling metal door closed. He surveyed the area, seeing a few dead zombies in the road leading up to it, no doubt the handiwork of Mario and his friends. The gate to the junkyard was closed off as well, with nothing moving inside of it. Okay, so you know this is a trap, he thought bitterly. I know you know this is a trap, so how to play this? He stared up at the building, hoping to see any sort of clue to tip him off about what they had planned, but there were no hints. If they wanted me dead, they would have just killed Walter and told me where they were. Since they took him hostage, they're probably going to let me inside and not shoot me as I walk across the street. He rolled his eyes at his flimsy logic, but he didn't really have any other option. He had to do everything he could to save the kid. Terrell stood up and secured the cleaver on his back belt, with the handle hanging up and the blade tucked into it. Not the most comfortable of hiding spots, but it was the best he could do at the moment. As he approached the front door, it opened slowly, and a guy with a rifle stood there, aiming dead at Terrell. You're the welcoming committee? The captain asked dryly. The gunman stared at him. Something like that. Guess you want me to put my gun down, Terrell said. The man cocked his head. I would appreciate it if you would. Can I at least hand it over to you? The captain asked, matching his polite tone. 
Would rather not have it scuffed up from being on the blacktop. If I were you, the gunman drawled with a smirk, I'd be worried about what Mario is gonna do to you. Your gun's paint job isn't going to matter much to you in a minute. Terrell reached the door, getting a little closer. This gun saw me through thick and thin overseas, he explained. Fighting for your right to be a murderous prick, just so you know. Well, thank you for your service, the gunman mocked, rolling his eyes. Not that it's doing a whole lot of good now. Terrell came within a few feet of the man, holding out his rifle. Doing more than you think, he said, and then tossed the gun. As soon as the man broke eye contact with him, he drew his cleaver and darted to the side, out of the way of the gun barrel. The gunman panicked, firing a shot and missing badly. Terrell jumped forward, bringing the blade down on the man's forearm, slicing right through it and into the wooden handle of the rifle. The gun, with the hand connected to it, dropped to the ground, and a spray of blood coated the asphalt as the man fell to his knees in shock. Terrell bent over to pick up his own gun, dusting it off as his opponent tried in vain to stop the bleeding out of his missing limb. This is what you get for not treating my weapon with respect, Terrell said coldly, and then slammed the butt of the rifle into the man's pallid face. He slumped to the ground, unconscious, crimson pooling underneath him. The captain sheathed his cleaver and raised his gun before heading through the door. The showroom was surprisingly nice, with checkerboard marble flooring and several shiny new car parts in a display in the center. Along the walls were more car parts and tires, as well as a giant board advertising the pick-and-pull pricing on junkyard parts. He scanned the room, not seeing any signs of Walter or Mario. The sound of a wrench clattering on the ground in the garage put him on edge. No way that was an accident, he thought, and moved slowly and quietly towards the garage, gun at the ready. He entered the open door, the scent of grease and oil filling his nostrils as he skirted a beat-up car on a hydraulic lift. Behind the other empty bay stood Mario, his arm curled around Walter's neck, his other hand pressing the barrel of a handgun into the kid's temple. I'd put that down if I were you, Mario said with a sneer. Terrell kept his gun aimed straight at his face. And I'd think long and hard about doing anything to that boy. Oh, this boy? Mario asked innocently, grabbing the kid's cheeks and squeezing them together. Walter shook his head away, and his captor pressed the gun harder into his flesh, making him wince with pain. Settle down there, Mario warned. The kid tried to squirm away. Let me go, he demanded. Stay calm, buddy, Terrell said gently. I'll get you out of this. Mario laughed. I wouldn't believe him if I were you, he said into Walter's ear. What do you want, Terrell asked, narrowing his eyes. Mario glared at him. What do I want, he asked, and then let out a humorless laugh. I want you to suffer for what you did to me. You saw that big book of torture, the captain replied easily. I could have done a whole lot worse than just letting you go. His opponent shook his head. I doubt it, he replied. The boss wasn't too pleased with me that I cut and ran. Not my fault you're a pussy, Terrell quipped. Mario snarled, pressing harder on the gun. 
Let's keep it polite, shall we? He asked. I'd hate to have you watch me blow his brains out. All right, I'll keep it polite, the captain replied. Just with the understanding that if you hurt him, you aren't coming out of this room alive. His opponent nodded. Noted, he said. Of course, if I come back without your head, the boss is gonna do a whole lot worse to me than you ever could. If you think that's the case, then you are sadly mistaken, Terrell declared. Mario licked his lips. My wounds still haven't healed from the last time I came back empty-handed, he said. Not making that mistake again. Then why don't you be a man and see if you can actually take me down, the captain asked, cocking his head. Mario sneered. Because I'm enjoying watching you squirm, he said, and played with the trigger a little, moving it ever so slightly. Terrell stiffened, his rifle moving forward just a little bit as he focused on the trigger. Mario laughed. How's it feel to be helpless, you sack of shit? How's it feel to know my bullet is gonna take you out before you can pull that trigger? Terrell squeezed the trigger, his sights squarely on Mario's head. Instead of the satisfying blast and spray of brain matter on the back of the garage, the only sound was a sickening click. The rifle was empty. He'd spent his last rounds at the restaurant and forgot to reload after the battle. He stared at Walter with sorrow in his eyes. He knew he'd fucked up, and badly. Walter stared back at him, fear in his gaze, but also forgiveness, no judgment. At least, that's what Terrell tried to see. Otherwise, his conscience would have shattered. Mario grinned wildly and then squeezed the trigger. The round tore through the kid's head, sending him lurching to the ground, a limp body far too young to die so horrifically. Terrell let out a primal scream all the way from his gut. His rifle clattered to the floor, and he tore the cleaver from his pants, whipping it through the air before launching himself at Mario. His opponent's eyes widened at the sight of the shiny weapon tumbling end over end towards him, and he ducked. He managed to squeeze off one round, but it missed in his panic. Terrell reached Mario and crashed into him, forcing them both into the back of the garage wall. There was a satisfying smack as they hit the cinder block wall, the impact jarring the handgun loose. The captain rained blows down on Mario's head, screaming in rage. I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker, he cried. Die, die, die! The punches staggered his enemy, but Mario was able to grab a wrench from the shelf behind him and swung it wildly, catching Terrell on the back. The force of the blow was painful enough to make the captain wince and step back, allowing Mario a chance to regain his footing. He swung again, forcing Terrell to hop back to avoid it. After the next swing, he moved in, catching Mario's arm at the wrist before jabbing upward into his elbow. His opponent's arm shattered, causing him to shriek in pain and drop the wrench. Terrell let go, allowing Mario to stagger backwards, holding his dangling broken arm. The captain picked up the wrench from the ground calmly and strode with purpose towards the weeping man. No, please, Mario begged, fat tears rolling down his cheeks. Um, Terrell cut him off with a wrench to the face, his bottom jaw giving a deep crunch as blood-covered teeth flew from his mouth. 
Blood poured everywhere as Mario collapsed, and Terrell tossed the wrench, kneeling down beside his foe. I am going to make you wish you had put that gun in your mouth, he snarled, and then wrapped his fingers in his opponent's hair, lifting his head before slamming it down into the concrete floor. He left Mario's limp body to crawl over to Walter. The kid laid on his side, limp as a rag doll. Terrell rubbed his face, hoping it was a mirage, a bad dream. But it was neither. His fuck-up had cost this boy his life. He stared down at the poor kid, grief and guilt, punching him in the gut. I'm, I'm so sorry, he stammered, swallowing hard. I fucked up, I fucked up so bad, I... He clenched his fists and then pressed them into his eyes. He took a deep struggling breath and then let it out, getting to his feet. There were still things he needed to do. He glanced down at Mario, rage boiling over his sorrow, at least for the time being. There was still a whole town to protect. And assholes that need a reckoning. Chapter 12 not sure how much longer we have until those doors give way, Miles said, shaking his head as the banging on the doors began to slightly open them with each thump. Rob, the guy who'd been fighting with Coleman, crossed his arms. Guessing you boys don't have the ammo to take them out, he asked. Just enough to take y'all out, Coleman quipped. Rob chuckled. Not exactly reassuring words given our truce. Don't worry the soldier replied with a wave of his hand. Whenever we get out of this, we can go our separate ways and try to kill each other again another day. Rob nodded. Yeah, I can live with that, he agreed. But first things first, how the fuck do we get out of here? Miles finished. One of the guys came back from having patched up the belly wound on the moaning man on the floor. How's he doing? Rob asked. He'll live, the guy replied. Ain't gonna be playing quarterback anytime soon, but he'll live. The banging intensified again, freaking out the hefty man holding the bookcase. Can I get some help over here? Rob nodded to his buddy and motioned for him to go help. This ain't gonna hold out, he said to Coleman. We need a plan, and we need it yesterday. How many shots do you have? Miles asked. Maybe 15 between us. Rob replied and scratched the back of his head. We've been firing quite a bit at y'all in case you haven't noticed. Miles smirked. And given we don't have a scratch on us, it's safe to assume they wouldn't be too effective anyway. His tentative companion wrinkled his nose. I'm gonna let that one go because we've got bigger fish to fry at the moment, he said. Even with two men pressed up against the door, it continued to open as the zombies hurled their weight against it. An arm managed to worm its way in, rotted flesh peeling off as it squeezed through the gap. We need a plan now, Coleman said, and Miles broke away from the group, heading over to the bookcases against the wall, finding that they weren't attached. Rob furrowed his brow. You looking for something to read there, boy? Yeah, hoping to find a copy of War and Peace so I can bludgeon one of those things to death with it, Miles quipped as he began to pull the shelf away from the wall. Rob snorted, smart ass. The soldier dumped all of the books onto the ground and began dragging the empty bookcase towards the door. You guys helping or what? 
he grunted. Coleman and Rob looked at each other and shrugged, heading over to help with whatever it was Miles was up to. They dragged the case over to where the wounded man laid on a table, putting it at an angle and resting it up against the heavy oak table. You want to fill us in on your plan here? Coleman asked. Miles motioned with his hands as he spoke. We're going to double up on these, form a V-shape around this fella here to protect him, he replied. Then what? Rob asked. Miles drew his knife. Then we start stabbing while you boys shoot what you can. That's your fucking plan? Rob threw up his hands. You boys are military. My hard-earned tax dollars went to train you, and that's the best you can come up with? Another arm squeezed through the door as it opened up a little more. The two men straining against it yelled with the effort. If you've got a better idea, I'm all ears, Miles replied. But it better be real quick. Rob chewed his lip for a second and then nodded. Fuck it, good enough for me, he replied. The three men scrambled up to get another bookcase brought over, setting up the first layer of the V formation. They quickly grabbed another, dragging it over, and when they got it in place, there was a loud crack from the door. The hinges on the left side began to give way. Get out of there, Rob bellowed, but the warning came too late, as the left door came crashing down, landing on top of the portly guy. It pinned him to the floor as zombies tumbled onto it. He screamed, pleading for help as his friend ran back to the bookcases, helpless to do anything. The ghouls who'd fallen crawled beneath the door, biting into his arms and face. As the flesh ripped away, Rob pulled out his rifle, aiming and firing into the top of his friend's head, ending his suffering and preventing a runner from getting loose. They congregated behind the V, and the other doorman grabbed his rifle and raised it. Miles put his hand on the barrel and aimed it down. Wait until they're closer, he suggested. You take care of the fringes, we'll take care of the center. If one of those things gets around us, it's not going to be a good day. The man nodded, swallowing hard. Miles and Coleman pulled out their knives, readying them to strike as the zombies grew closer. They smacked the bookcase to attract them head on, so they wouldn't wander around and flank them. This is such a shit idea, man, Coleman said, shaking his head. Miles rolled his eyes. I think the words you're looking for are, you're welcome, he said. Coleman cracked a smile and took a deep breath as the first creature reached their barricade. The soldier stabbed it in the eye socket, dropping it. One down, he muttered, 40 to go. It wasn't long before the zombies pressed up against the barricade. Arms flailed about, reaching and grabbing for the soldiers. Coleman and Miles struggled with each stab, having to fight through the throng of arms while avoiding getting grabbed and pulled in. Meanwhile, Rob and his friend did their job, aiming at close range and taking off the heads of any creature that looked like it could bypass the line. One by one they dropped, keeping the cube packed in at the center. Miles went on a frenzy, stabbing wildly toward several zombie heads. He caught a few on the top, and then one nearby creature grabbed his wrist. He jerked back, but the zombie had a death grip, pulling him closer to its putrid maw. As he tried to switch his knife to the other hand so he could strike, the attacking zombie's head exploded with a point-blank rifle shot. He glanced back at Rob, who had a giant smile on his face. How's that for aiming there, boy? The man drawled. 
Miles cracked a smile and then turned back to his duty. The battle continued on for several minutes, the occasional shot ringing out, but mostly just moans and thuds as bodies hit the floor. Finally, the room fell silent, save for the heavy breathing from the living men. They remained stationary for a moment, shaken and catching their breaths, and then Coleman hopped the bookcase, looking around at the corpses to make sure there weren't any still moving. Much to my surprise, that worked, he said. Miles came around as well, nodding. You aren't the only one that's surprised. As Rob and his friend turned to the wounded man, the soldiers leaned towards each other. So what do you think, Miles murmured. Coleman grimaced. I think Cap is gonna have some questions for them, he whispered. That's what I'm thinking too, Miles replied, and they pulled their handguns before turning around. Coleman took a deep breath. Rob, I really hate to do this, he said. The others turned to him and frowned when they realized they were being held at gunpoint. You boys really gonna do us like that? Rob asked, sounding disappointed. I'm a man of my word, Coleman declared, putting a hand to his chest. When we're done, you can go on about your business. It's just that our captain is gonna wanna have a few words with you before you go. This is just our way of making sure you stick around until he gets back, Miles added. Rob glanced at his friend, who was white-knuckling his rifle. He shook his head. I trust him, he said, and pushed down on the barrel. Put it down now. His friend complied, and they both raised their hands for the surrender. Is your man able to walk? Coleman asked. Rob glanced down at his wounded buddy, who raised a shaky thumbs up. Yeah, he can move. Coleman nodded and waved them towards the busted door. Let's get a move on then. Chapter 13 Mario twitched as he came to, head throbbing and vision blurred. He looked around and then jerked, trying to move but unable to. About time you came around, Terrell said, standing over him was looking around for some pliers to help motivate you to get up. Mario tried to speak, but struggled to form words. He turned to the side and spit a glob of blood onto the floor, a tooth coming along for the ride. I'm, he gurgled, gonna kill. Terrell kicked him in the side of the head. You ain't gonna do shit, except lay there and take the punishment I'm about to deliver, he snarled. He walked around him, staring down at his handiwork in securing the murderer's body with jumper cables. Mario looked up, focusing on the muscle car above him on the hydraulic lift. Terrell approached him with the controls for the lift, smirking down at his squirming body. Normally in situations like this, I would take my sweet ass time with you, he said, making sure you felt every ounce of pain I could possibly wring out of you. But as it so happens, I'm on a bit of a timetable, so I'm going to have to speed things along. He hit the button on the lift, causing it to lower a little. Mario whimpered, trying to squirm away, but to no avail. Terrell growled and knelt beside him. You cut that whimpering bullshit out right now. He grabbed Mario's face and forced it to the side, making him look at Walter's corpse. That boy over there had more balls than you could ever dream of, and your bitch ass crying just proves it. I want you to take a good look at him, see what you did to him, think about what you did to him. For your sake, I hope it was worth it, 
that you're about to pay the price for what you did. Mario's mouth opened, but nothing came out as Terrell punched him a few times in the side of the head. He jumped up and paced back and forth in his rage before stooping to kneel again, getting right in his victim's face. Before you go, there is something you should know, Terrell said in a low and menacing voice. If you have a family, I'm going to end them. If you have friends, I'm going to end them. If your second grade teacher is still alive and kicking, then by motherfucking God, I'm going to end them too. You did this. You brought this reckoning down on their heads. The only comfort I can give you is that you won't have to live with that knowledge for long. He hit the down button on the lift and tossed the controls to the side. Mario squirmed and gargled a scream as the lift slowly descended towards him. Terrell grabbed his rifle and reloaded it violently, starting to walk away. Mario moaned and cried, and then the press fell silent, as did Mario. Terrell glanced over his shoulder, watching the goo that had been his enemy sneak out from below the lift. He huffed, rage still boiling hot, and then grabbed a metal rolling cart with the supplies for the trucks, along with Walter's cold body, and began to push it down the street. Chapter 14 Miles Coleman and their three prisoners sat out back of the chamber building by a car. The wounded man stretched out on the hood, his two friends flanking him. The soldiers stood a few feet away, handguns at the ready. So what did you boys do before all this began? Miles asked casually. Rob snorted. Do you really care? He asked. Sure, I enjoy the occasional tale of a life now gone. Miles replied with a smirk. Rob sighed and shrugged. All right, he said. I used to be a fast food restaurant owner. Really? The soldier asked, blinking at him. How many you have? I had three pretty successful chicken joints, Rob replied. Was all set up to open another one next month, but uh, pretty sure that deal fell through. The group laughed a bit, breaking the tension between them. Miles glanced at the other uninjured gunman. What about you? Package delivery driver, he replied. The soldier groaned. Damn, that had to suck, he said. Did you just mainline ibuprofen at the end of each back-breaking shift? Nah, I stuck to something a little more natural, the gunman replied. Copious amounts of whiskey. Another chuckle rippled through them, and Miles shook his head with a heavy sigh. What's up? Coleman asked him, furrowing his brow. Just these times, man, he replied. A month ago, we could all be hanging out on a patio bar, putting down buckets of cheap beer and living it up. Now we're out here shooting at each other. It's the way things go, buddy, Rob cut in. If there's anything I've learned in my way too many years on this planet, it's that life is just one big fucked up mess. We just gotta learn to roll with whatever comes our way. Coleman pointed at him. Solid advice right there. Rob looked past the two soldiers and inclined his head. That looks like your man, doesn't it? They turned and saw Terrell heading up with a stern look on his face, pushing a cart full of tires. Yep, that would be him, Coleman said. Miles nodded. Looks like he came through with the tires, too. As the captain grew closer, the soldiers frowned. Where's... Miles trailed off. 
where's Walter? Coleman spotted a limp hand hanging off of the cart, and his breath caught in his throat. No, man, he croaked. Just no. Miles gasped at the sight, but before either could greet Terrell, he let go of the cart and drew his rifle, firing several rounds into the men at the car. The bullets pierced their chests, shattering the windshield behind them, sending blood everywhere. He screamed and whipped around, facing his friends. Coleman and Miles put their hands up. Easy, Cap, easy, Coleman said gently. Terrell's heart raced, and anger coursed through him still. He finally registered his soldiers, and he let out a deep breath, lowering his gun and heading over to the cart. Without saying a word, he began pushing it up the road towards the trucks. The soldiers glanced at each other, and then trotted to catch up. Terrell? Coleman broke the silence. What happened? The captain shoved the cart and whirled around, eyes wild. What the fuck do you think happened? He snarled. They murdered him like a fucking dog. Chest heaving, he waited for them to say something, but they didn't know what they could possibly say. Come on, Terrell said shortly. We gotta get back to the trucks. We got people to protect. He turned and grabbed the cart again moving at a brisk pace. Coleman and Miles glanced at each other, worried, but all they could do was follow. When they reached the trucks, Terrell readied his gun, and his soldiers followed suit, getting ready behind him. He crept around the first truck, and then his shoulders sagged. He waved for them to come over, and they did, mouths dry with anticipation. Terrell holstered his gun. There was nothing there. The ammonium nitrate was gone. He patted the side rail of the truck once, then twice. Then everything he'd had bottled up came out, and he punched the back window. The force was enough to send spiderwebs of cracks through it. Cap, Coleman asked gingerly, as Terrell stood there, hand bleeding, eyes closed, struggling to control his breathing. Fix the tire, he said simply through his teeth. We'll take care of it, Cap. Coleman said, motioning to Miles to get the supplies. You, you just take a minute. Terrell nodded and turned, walking down the road a bit. Miles returned to his partner, face pale. Is he all right? No, he's not, Coleman admitted. Only seen him like this one other time. Miles winced. And how'd that go? Coleman shook his head. I share a lot of stories from my time overseas he said. But that night, I would be a happy man if I could forget the carnage of that night. He stared at his friend, dead in the eyes. I really hope you're 100% with us, Miles, because we're about to go to war. Chapter 15 Xavier sat in the center of town as the afternoon turned into evening. He stared out, watching the hustle and bustle of his little community. His tranquility was broken when he heard the front gates opening up. He stood as Terrell and the guys rolled in, parking the truck on the edge of the green space in the center of town. He approached as they got out of the vehicle. Gentlemen, how did it go? Coleman gave him a quick look and shook his head. Xavier watched them all get out, and his brow furrowed. Where's Walter? he asked. I'm sorry, Coleman replied, clenching his jaw. He, 
He was murdered, Terrell cut in. He was noticeably calmer than he'd been before the ride, but still cold. He was murdered in cold blood, and they took what we needed to keep this town safe. I, Xavier stammered. I don't understand. Well, join the club, the captain snarled. I don't understand how someone could take the life of that young boy, but I made damn sure that's the last life they'll ever take. The old man shook his head. So more violence. Oh, there's a lot more violence where that came from, Terrell declared. We're not playing defense any longer. From this moment forward, we're on the offensive. We're going to hunt them down, and we're going to end them once and for all. Captain, Xavier said, voice stern. May I remind you that there are civilians in their group? Terrell whirled on him and yelled, and there are civilians here. He waved a hand over his head. Look around. Look at Ruth and June over there fixing dinner by the fire. Look at Hoyt and those kids patching up that barricade. Do you think they give a fuck about them? Because I know they don't. He pointed a finger in Xavier's face. You need to get on board with this and get on quick. We're at war, so if you care about these people, you're going to let us do what we need to do, civilians be damned. Because if they come here, which they will, you will die knowing you picked their women and children over our own. The old man blinked at him. I can't abide by civilians dying, he finally said. It's something that would haunt me. However, you are going to do what you think is right, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. He put up his hands. All I ask is that you limit my people's involvement as much as possible. You may continue to stay here. However, after this is through, we will have to reevaluate our arrangement. If we're still standing a week from now, I hope you still see that I'm right, Terrell replied coldly. Xavier nodded. As do I, he said. As do I. He turned and headed off, leaving the soldiers to themselves. So, Cap, what are we doing now? Coleman asked tentatively. Terrell turned to him. I need you to get a line on weapons, he said. We're running real low on stuff. I'll scrounge up everything we can use, Coleman replied. Terrell turned to Miles. I need you to find out everything you can about where Mario's tracker was, he said. I think the town was called Newton Grove, Miles replied. Yeah, that's it, Terrell said, snapping his fingers. Miles nodded. I'll talk to Xavier and find out where it is, he assured him. Dig up what I can on it. You're a good man, the captain said, clapping him on the shoulder. Glad you're on our side. I'd imagine so, he replied with a wink. And the captain sighed, giving him a much-needed smile. As the soldiers headed off, he walked to a bench overlooking the town and collapsed onto it. There were a lot of people working, just going about their daily lives, blissfully unaware of the storm that was coming. After a few moments of watching them, Ruth approached him, carrying a small plate of food. I may not know a lot in this world, but I know when a man's troubled, she said gently. I also know the second best way to ease his mind is the hot plate of food. Terrell chuckled and took the plate of fried chicken and collard greens. Thank you, he said honestly. This will help out a lot. I'm glad, dear, she said, and turned to leave. Hey, Ruth, he said as he set the plate in his lap. She glanced back at him. Yes, dear, she asked. If a hot plate of food is the second best way to ease a man's troubled mind, what's the first, he asked. 
The older woman smirked at him. If you had asked me that when I was 30 years younger, I could have given you a proper answer. He barked a laugh as she winked and sauntered off, and then shook his head, eating his dinner. When he finished, he let out a deep sigh. Walter, he murmured to himself. I'm so sorry I let you down, man. You were good people, just like the people in this town. I don't know if you can hear me, or if you'd even care, but I'm gonna make you a promise. I'm gonna do whatever I can to protect this town, even if it means laying down my life. He clenched his fists and stared at the sky. You have my word. End of book nine. Up next, Terrell leads the group into an all-out war against the boss in Carolina Front, part six. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.